Hello, friend. Come on in. It's just going to be a habit that I sing at you every time you walk in now. I'm sure you don't mind. Welcome back. Couple of quick announcements. So I've been teasing it for a while in a couple of episodes and notes with the narrator before, but I'm proud to announce it has finally happened. The bone dice are done. Well, let me rephrase. The first five sets of the bone dice are done. I do hand make these, and it takes four days to make an entire set. Yeah, it's a lot. It's, you know, handmade stuff usually is. But I can guarantee you, you will not see its equal. These look amazing. They feel amazing. I don't mean to toot my own horn, but they do look really good. So if you're in the market for some D10s that look like they are made of old bones, head on over to our Kofi shop where you can find not only that, but soon, very soon, new tumblers will be up so you can hydrate and style with us. Will there be more? Of course there'll be more dice. It just takes a little while to make them. My intention is to have a shop drop at least once every two months. That way they're never truly out of stock. And I may even open commissions for your own personal set of dice. But I'm still thinking on it. Jury's still out on that. What's that? Oh, thank you, Officer Keith, for reminding me. From the posting of this episode... We are two weeks away from Chaosium Con. Thank you very much to all of you who have donated to help us on our journey. We greatly, greatly appreciate it. We are shipping off to Ann Arbor. For those of you unfamiliar with what I'm talking about, Chaosium Con is the first of its kind, being held in Ann Arbor, Michigan, April 8th and 9th of 2022. There will be tons of Chaosium games there to play. Call of Cthulhu, RuneScape and Seventh Sea. Not only will I be running a live Writer's Room Presents module on Friday night, which will be eventually posted here to the podcast for all of you to listen, our good friends over at Tabletop Radio Hour are running a couple of games as well. And if you need more Seventh Sea in your life while you're waiting in between weeks for episodes, why not check out Tabletop Radio Hour's Myth and Legacies, or even go backwards in time and... Listen to Flash Bash and Panache. All of it's wonderful. It's fantastic. I'm still catching up. There's a lot. If you need more swashbuckling in your life, which I know you do, head on over there. And maybe, just maybe, I'll be there too. That's all that I have for announcements this time. Right, Officer Nightingale? Awesome. So let's get into it. Where we last left off, we were heading to Aragosta and got caught up by ghosts, one of Jesse's past, and one very real, very dangerous ghost. But they made it through, and they're on their way to Aragosta. So let's check in with them, shall we? <clears throat> Article 24. The Politics and the Life. So, how much time has passed? Two days later. Read my mind. Two days later? Great. Cool. So your Odyssey, if I'm looking at the map, that big central Ruhuri Island, you're, let's say, a couple of hours out away from it. So you're heading out into open sea, heading towards Aragosa. What time of day is it? Mid-afternoon. Mid-afternoon? Okay. Somebody roll me a d10. 10. 
It is absolutely perfect sailing conditions. Not too hot, just enough wind to give you full sails. Chef's kiss. Where are you on the ship? On one of the side railings. Wayland's probably just kind of like feet hanging over the edge. Wayland. Hey. How much do you believe in fate? I'm curious. I think fate is dictated by people. I think people can dictate their own fate and fate for others. But I don't think any of us are necessarily truly beholden to it unless by force. You see Wayland's brow furrow for a moment. There have been several times in my life where I felt like I denied fate. But things keep happening that make me wonder if that was just the hand of it guiding me along. And I want, I need to believe that no matter how hard that force, that it can always be broken. And you? Honestly, I'm not sure. Things recently have sort of opened my mind a bit more. Not necessarily skewing one way or the other, but more clarity in the unknown, which in and of itself is a paradox. It feels like the more I do, the less I've achieved. One step forward, two steps back. I wonder if that's a matter of perspective. I'm not sure, Wayland. I've never been tied to a being of incredible power before. I've never shared any sort of tie with anything. Not many people do, if at all, ever. And I so happen to share it with the worst of the worst. Or so I'd like to think and believe. Let's hope. I don't know if that's enough. Hope? Yeah. Man, maybe not. Part of me can speak to that situation, but part of me can't. Paga's an interesting sort. There's hope that there's benevolence there, right? Right. But Paga was also one of the Fae, and they're ambiguous at best. No offense. Just kind of, like, looks around him. (laughs) Going back to fate, I don't think it has to dictate who we are and how we behave and our path in life. You know, you might get your powers from the devil himself, but at the end of the day, you're not the devil. Far from it, in my opinion. And I think you can still forge your own future. What if that's what he wants? How do you mean? For you to forge your own future? No. What if he wants me to be nothing like him? I mean, I don't know. That sounds like a pretty good deal to me. The devil wanting you to be nothing like him. Wayland, it's all about perspective. Not wanting to be like him doesn't mean better. Ah. Not always, at least. Aye. I see what you're saying. Well... I suppose it's rather impossible to find out what he wants. I think it's more important to focus on what you want, regardless of his desires. Regardless of things that might be pushing you in one direction or another. It's like I don't have that choice. There's always a choice. Always. Whether you feel like it's there in front of you or not, there is always a choice. It's the consequences... Look around, Wayland. Wayland does. Everybody's working. 
Nobody's really talking. It's more of a work talk atmosphere rather than a shoot the shit. You know, it's a really nice day out. Yeah. A lot of people are still recovering from the shock of witnessing what they witnessed. Not only the ATC, but the widow itself. The only person who seems to be unfazed by any of it is Roz. Roz continues to be his normal flamboyant self. Seems to be, I think, is the key word there. Why is it that it seems like a perfect day, yet clearly it's far from it? It's all about perspective. Well, I think that's exactly what you need to focus on. You feel like you're going one step forward, two steps back. But when we're going at a fast click, and a ship's passing us in the other direction, it almost looks like they're standing still. To them, we're flying on by. From your perspective, sure, you might feel like you're not making any progress. But I'd say we're at both very different points than we were eight months ago. And I think for the better. At least in some ways. That's what I'm worried about. It's progress. I don't know what the right choice is. Hmm. I don't think we ever do. And Wayland thinks for like a long moment after saying that. Jesse, I've made a lot of mistakes in my life because I thought I was doing the right thing. I don't think we ever know what the right choice is. I don't think there is such thing as a right choice. Yeah. I mean, look at Kip. Kip made the decision in that moment. Was it the right decision? I can't say. But it was the decision that he wanted to make. It was the decision that he felt was right. And it cost him his life, but... I feel responsible for that, Waylon. I don't think you can. I have to. I can't not bear that. That is what a captain does. Goes down with the ship, or stays afloat for it. That's my responsibility. And that's my fault. How? How on earth was it your fault? Because they chose to associate with us? Because I didn't have a chance to stop them. And what good would it have done if we tried? Gotten the rest of our crew killed? On top of Kip? And you see Wayland harden. Kip died for us. He died so that we could have a chance to keep on fighting. He died because we didn't fight. He died because I ran. I ran so far away from my fucking problems that I lost a hand for it. I'm going to spend a danger point as you're both sitting on the railing behind you. Well, for a man with one hand, you seem to do all right. Uh, Elliot, that's, uh, I think you misunderstand. I'm going to spend a hero point. Honest misunderstanding. Well played. For those listening, an honest misunderstanding is he can we turn it into something it's not. Deckhand. Ah. I've lost many people doing what I do, Elliot. I, I see. Jesse. Yeah. Easy. You could excuse me. Oh, wait, Captain. There's something I needed to talk to you about. <sighs> Here. And he holds out a stack of parchment, which has writings on it. And you take it from him and you look at him. And it's a detailed account of the veil and how it works. And his observations and theories and everything that's canonically known in game about the Widow, everybody now knows. Elliot has presented it to you. Well, hell. Hi, I'm the theory crafter. I'm going to make this canon knowledge. But in real life. 
he's timed how long it took for him to start feeling the despair. And it's like a field note of the veil. And there's like little pictures and drawings. It's very detailed. Holy shit. Elliot, my boy, this is incredible work you've done. He takes off his glasses and folds them and puts them on his shirt and takes a step backwards. That's all I could find. I hope it helps. Sorry, two of he's dropped. Uh, I'll be going. And he hastily retreats. Be on your way, boy. Jesse, we're not obviously done with this conversation, but I want to make sure he's okay. I think that was the first time he really saw anything like that. Go on. Wayland places a hand on Jesse's shoulder and squeezes it. And gives him a consternated but meaningful, like, I'm here for you still. Like, he does not look at you. He's in a moment of contemplation. Wayland heads after Elliot. Mm-hmm. This is a thought that I have. This is going to go into his captain's quarters and take off his coat and his hat and his belt, put on the bed and walk back out onto the deck. Is there anyone around looking at him? Roz is around on the rigging, making sure the sails are full. Mama Coco's at the helm. She's not looking at you, per se. Hawthorne is sitting on the railing of the forecastle, pointedly looking at you. Not in a menacing, come here, I need to talk to you manner, but there's the captain. Is Agnes around? Mm-hmm. Agnes is... Tying up lines, making sure, you know, things aren't loose or rattling around. It's going to take a moment and just watch her work. She is making rope and tying knots. Makes the rope, ties a knot, makes a rope, ties a knot. Very methodical, very repetitive. She could probably do this in her sleep. That's how efficient she is at it. Her eyes are on her work. She's not looking around. How fast are we going? Does it feel like it's going fast? Yeah, your sails are full to bursting. I said it was a perfect day, so it's a perfect day for sailing. You're going at a good clip, but it's smooth. You're not bumping. Jesse stands at the railing for a minute, two minutes, three. Climbs up and dives off the side. I'm going to spend my other hero point for the West Wind minor gift. Okay. As soon as he hits the water, he <sighs> takes a deep, deep breath because he has willed himself a Jonas gift to breathe. Great. About 45 seconds after you dive in, there's a splash and a large, large creature swims underneath you, turns around, and swims next to you. It is a gigantic leopard seal yeah it is he waves see the seal looks at you looks ahead looks at you he nods (sighs) the seal opens its mouth and you hear agnes's voice as clear as you would oh oh shit this is new this is neat i like this however it does sound slightly muffled because you are underwater Hoping in for a swim, are you? Yeah. Is that kind of day? No perfect day, that's for sure. I just felt like that was something I needed. I understand. I just want to be down here for a bit. I'll let you be. As soon as you tell me. 
when you were going to tell the rest of us that you can breathe underwater. I wasn't sure I was going to, and I still have no plan for it. I'm just... I'm not ready. Ready or not, all our suspicions are confirmed now. You best think of something quick. Must have think me mad. You know that Raz is still recovering from the first time you fell off the ship. I had to convince him not to go overboard to get you. Hawthorne threw their hands up in the air, swore something under their breath that I couldn't quite understand, and Mama Coco just started to laugh. All eyes are on you, Captain, and you weren't very subtle about it. Perhaps next time, jump off when no one's looking. <laughs> Did you not want to tell us because you're afraid? Yes. And what is it you fear so, that you keep that from the rest of us? So much, Agnes. So much. Captain, do you know why I was late to the Magus Manifest? It's because I didn't want to go. I didn't want to tell any of you what I was, what my powers were, or how you could control me. I feared more than anything in the world that if I told you, it would give you a reason. That if you all knew what it was, you'd hurt me and hurt yourselves in the process. But Charles convinced me otherwise, him and Jory. Told me there'd be nothing to fear, no reason for me to hide. What I'm getting at, Captain, is that there's nothing to fear. If I've learned anything by being on this ship, is that you need never fear from anyone on this ship. We're all here for each other, together, until death undo us. You don't have to be afraid anymore. I. Thanks, Agnes. I'm sorry. And you need to stop saying you're sorry when you haven't actually wronged anyone. When you do, we'll let you know. Yeah. The ship is moving a lot faster than you can swim. That's for damn sure. It's getting on. Now, come on. I might be a fast swimmer, but not that fast. And he swims over to her. Um, may, may I? And you see the seal roll its eyes, holds you, big giant fins, and proceeds to swim forward. The camera goes from underwater to beneath the ship into the bilge. And Elliot is on the steps, not completely in the bilge, and he's writing down notes as if talking to somebody and wayland you come across elliot sitting on the steps holds back for a minute tries to stay out of notice he's not necessarily going to use vanish but he's staying back in the dark of the build and doing a bit of eavesdropping two can play at this game yeah <laughs> so it's a back and forth they're playing the riddle game mm. elliot will say a riddle and she'll answer, and then she'll say a riddle, and he'll answer, and then he'll go on a little bit of a tangent about how fascinating it is that you can only speak in riddles. I imagine he's quite good at riddles. He is very good at riddles. Faster than Roz is. He's writing, and he just nonchalantly answers the riddle. After a while, he stops writing and says, Miss Ursa, I, if I may, this isn't a riddle. It's just me talking, and I feel like I can do that with you. I know you weren't up top 
when Captain, <clears throat> when that happened. Only very recently have I been out and about in the world doing what it is I do best, which is artifacts, understanding how they work and what their purpose is in the world, especially what their purpose was to the Sirnith. I study ancient culture. I study people, people that are long gone, sure, but I should be able to grasp why it happened the way it did. Why that woman acted in the manner that she did, but I... I can't. I, I guess what this all accumulated to was me asking you a question. I'm sorry, I, I, I didn't mean to ramble. My question is how... How do you cope with things like this? There's a grunt, and you hear Ursa say, nods his head. Time? And there's a grunt from Ursa. Right. Speaking of time, I have taken up enough of yours. Thank you very much for listening to me. And he folds his papers and gets everything ready and bows to the darkness and gets up, pivots on his heel, and falls flat on his ass, missing the last two steps. <laughs> and we actually see this dark shadow Thanks, Miss Ursa. Your fur is very soft. I did not mean to say that out loud. Eyes. <laughs> we just see him get pushed onto the steps. Uh, um, hi, Wayland. I, I didn't see you there. Oh, hello, Mr. Elliot. Uh, How are you? Fine. I'm sorry, I don't mean yep. to laugh. Yeah, just. <sighs> How are you? And Wayland takes a couple deep breaths and. Still with the ghost of a smile on his face. I am. You are. You are fine. You're good. It's important to find moments to laugh still. Ah, y yes. Will you walk with me for a while? Not really anywhere to walk to, but sure. Then Waylon puts his hand on his back and sort of guides him around. They walk together and Waylon's quiet for a couple minutes. I'm sorry, by the way. Elliot looks confused. Uh, apology accepted, but for what? For not being more clear about who we were, what we do from the very beginning. For not giving you all the angles to properly make an informed decision joining this crew. I'm sorry you had to see what you saw. Falls quiet and takes his glasses off and begins to clean them. You know, that's not the first death that I've witnessed. Oh, I was 13 years old when I stowed away onto an Explorer Society boat bound for some strange unknown place. And I hid from the explorers there and followed them. And it was there that I witnessed my first death. Someone touched an idol, withered like a plant, and disintegrated. And it was at that point in my life that I realized that I had very little time to do the things that I wanted to do. And that time could be taken away from me at any moment if I wasn't careful, especially with what I was obsessed over. Being an archaeologist and treasure hunter exposes you to a vast 
variety of ways to leave the mortal coil. Punch your ticket, as it were. It also exposes you to a variety of people. Studying an ancient culture really gives you a clear, focused view on how people work. Granted, the ones that I study are long gone, but it gives me some insight as to what people nowadays do. Their tics and mannerisms, their aesthetics, and the things that bring them joy and pain. I feel as though I have a deep understanding of how we function. Speaking of understanding, it's a hard question to answer, but do you understand a little bit better what I was saying on the island before we went to the solace? It seems as though I owe you an apology. You weren't trying to convince me. You were trying to warn me. And whether it be due to my own ignorance or lack of understanding, I'm sorry. I should have listened to you. I'm sorry you experienced evil like that firsthand. He gestures out to sea in a direction, because he's clearly frustrated. He's folded his glasses and, and he's using them to gesture and point. Yeah. I have to ask you, are all of them like that? They all can't be, surely. In my experience, no. But the ones that matter are. The ones in charge. The ones who give the orders. To rise the ranks in an organization like that requires it. And what can men do against such evil? How do you fight back, knowing that that's out there? Yes, I feel for the man that died. And there's a spark inside of me that drives me to do something about it. But it is quickly smothered by the fear that if I do, if I act so boldly, irrationally, that I am no better than they, I will be no different than the people who fired the guns, the cannons, than the woman that gave the order. Wayland stares off for a moment, and his small, sardonic smile creeps across his face. Those who hunt monsters must take care not to become monsters themselves. You know that one. Yes. Those that stare into the abyss take heed, for the abyss stares back. We rely on each other, Elliot. We check each other. Every single one of us. Many on this crew have experienced what the ATC can do firsthand. Elliot's eyes track over to Mom Coco, and then he quickly writes himself. Waylon just nods. If we were alone, if I were alone, and I went hunting, then Waylon pauses for a long moment. I'd become a monster. I know I would. But, because I have this crew, because I have Jesse, because I have Mama Coco, Charles, Cazette, Agnes, Jory, Boots, Klaus, Ross, Ursa, you. He holds up his hand. I'm not part of your crew. First off, hush your face. Secondly, the moment that we voted to have you on is the moment that you became part of this crew. He furrows his brows and puts on his glasses and pulls out smallish journal and thumbs through it. Ah, uh, according to your pirate laws and bylaws, I'm technically not part of the crew because I didn't sign that piece of paper that you carry around the, the charter? From what I understand, you brought me aboard because you needed an expert on Sirnith matters? Worst case, I'm a passenger. Best case, I'm a hired consultant. You make a fair point. I suppose now that you're better informed, that is your choice. 
Elliot, if you want to stay with us, that's entirely up to you. I will not, ever, and none of this crew will ever take that choice away from you. There's always a choice. Oh, I'm very well aware of that. Even if you choose not to decide, you still made a choice. I hope you do stay. You want me to stay? I like you. Uh, Really? Wouldn't have brought you aboard if I didn't. I think you are a valuable contribution to this ship. I get that a lot. Thank you. And regardless of whether you've signed the charter or not, everyone on this ship is still here for you. Especially after what you've been through. What we've all been through. Again, thank you. Captain Kip was a very good man. And I know you didn't know him, but you've got a very good heart to care that much. It's a heart that very much belongs on this ship. I do appreciate that. Thank you. I'll compile my notes and come up with a proper thesis on it. Hey, can I ask you a question? Of course. Silly question. Silly answer? Do you need a hug? He opens his mouth to speak, closes it, goes completely blank and silent for a solid 15 seconds. And nods his head slowly. Waylon puts an arm out. So do I just... Come on. Uh, and just okay. brings him in. All right. Like a very like tight, friendly embrace. It's almost as if he has no idea how hugs work. Because he's just held up against you. And eventually one of his arms like touches your back and pats twice real quick. Mm-hmm. And then the other arm kind of wraps around and he goes to put it on your lower waist. There you go. I'm sorry I'm so awkward. I normally only ever get hugged by my mother's. <laughs> so. And not that this isn't like that. It's it's nicer. It's warmer. You, you smell nice. Uh, I said that out loud, yeah, didn't I? Yes, you did. Oh, okay. Uh, thanks. Uh, you're welcome. Right. <clears throat> Sorry about that. Yeah, it's no. You, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, no, that's you're good. Do you um? Do you need to talk anymore about? Yeah, I'll I'll come find you. Yep. And he lets go of you very awkwardly. Brushes the back of his head with his hand. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I I'm gonna go get some food. Uh, Sounds good. Oh god. Oh, he's just an awkward bunny. He has no idea what to do with himself. Wayland just kind of stares after him and just kind of like shakes his head and he gets to the stairs and like about to hurry down but then like shies a glance at you and smiles and uh shakes his head and, and runs his hand through his hair and, and stupid stupid <laughs> so he goes downstairs Wayland's just kind of like a little flabbergasted what mama coco just starts laughing just absolutely laughing <laughs> and Roz is pinching his nose. Oh. What was that all about? Well, and that was the most awkward interaction I've ever seen, ever in my life. But I, I thought I was being nice. But I, I mean, he seemed to like it, I guess. Mama Coco just keeps laughing. First, Jesse just yeets himself off the ship. And then you have this awkward teenage face with Elliot. I can't even right now. Waylon didn't hear anything past Jesse yeeted himself. Agnes is with him. He's fine. Oh, okay. I need a drink and maybe work to do. I don't know. Somebody give me something. Either or would be fine. 
Uh, and I think we're going to transition over to landing in Aragosta. Sounds fantastic. You guys make birth in a quiet Aragosta. You've been away two days to get to Makaro because of weird storm shit. Probably spent a good amount of time in Makaro, say like three days. Then four days there, and then another week back. You've been away about a month, all things told. Nothing of note seems to have changed. Do you head immediately to the Bucket of Blood after making birth? Pat, what do you think? I can't think of anything else that we would do. So there are shifts who get shore leave and who doesn't. Because, yeah, you're pirates and you're at the pirate bay, but somebody could very well steal your ship. You do need to have a skeleton crew at the ship ready to make way whenever or whatever. Where are we collecting the other half of the payment? At the Bucket of Blood? I've got a combo. Cool. Then, yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense because not only are we collecting something, we also have a gift. Mm-hmm. It would make the most sense to make the first stop there. Also, I think because that would kill us if we didn't go and get the things that we were owed first. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as the ship is ready to go and the gangplank is waylaid, Cosette begins to make her way towards the Bucket of Blood with or without the captain. She has business. She flourishes her quill as she's walking down the plank. You know where I will be? Right. mm. Shall we? We shall. We follow in her wake. As you, uh, he turns around to the skeleton crew. Be good. Don't sink the ship without me. Hawthorne just stares at you. Also, I don't want to sink the ship with me, you know. (laughs) Don't sink my damn ship. Au revoir. He walks away. Bye. That's what Hawthorne says. Bye. <laughs> Love it. Are you behind Cosette or are you walking your normal speed? We probably are close behind. Yeah. Okay. There's a sizable crowd outside the Bucket of Blood. And Cosette, being very small, tries to find her way around. Pardon? I need to get inside, please. If you could move. Folks, move aside. A couple of people look and shrug and move aside. Make a path to the door. There appears to be a lot of people in the Bucket of Blood, but they're not celebrating. They're not drinking. They're not telling stories. They seem to be waiting for something. Something is going on. Jesse's like on his tippy toes looking for Adetokumbo. Adetokumbo is away from the bar, walking around, serving people, talking to people in hushed tones. Is Charlotte around? As you get closer, you can hear Charlotte's hushed voice. Is there anything I can get you? No? Okay. Just let me know if you need anything. Who's closer? Pick one. Uh, Dedekumbo. Dedekumbo's closer. Okay, great. Without any introduction, he's gonna head straight for him and move through people. Move. Ah, you yeah. stupid bastard. Move out of the way. Stop. Yeah, I mean, come on, come on. Oi, watch where oh. your hand is. Uh, right, yep, yeah, no. Excuse me. I, Pardon me, Watch her cannon, mate. Sorry. I, Move your ass. And Jesse just appears next to Dedekumbo. Hey. Oh, thank God you're here. Good to see you. Good to see you, too. You, too. What is going on? What's happening? Come in the back. Come on. Come on. I imagine we have the cartons with us. Of course you do. It came in, like, a little treasure chest. Right, 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 right. And Adetokumbo brings you to the back room. Wayland, you recognize this back room as the room you saved Charlotte in all that time ago. 
and there's big giant kegs that are sitting on wood blocks and there's pantry stuff, food stuff, typical back room of a bar. He closes the door and is keeping an eye out. He sees Charlotte opens the door. I'll be right out, all right? If you need me, just shout. Okay. Hi, darling. Good to see you. Hi, guys. Her eyes light up and she's like looking around. I'll be by later. Okay. And Idetokumbo closes the door and leans heavily against it. Takes out a rag and wipes the sweat off of his brow and subsequently on his shaved head. Monsieur Idetokumbo, if you take this gift, I will take the payment and begin to count it to we. I takes the small crate from you in exchange for a larger one. And Pizette heaves it over to one of the benches, opens it, and begins to count it. What the fuck is going on? The queen is here. Oh. The first captains are having a meeting. Ooh. Wait. All of them? The ones that are in our ghosta. Canon Nasso is there. Captain Adig is there. Everyone else is out at sea. It was an emergency meeting. Oh. Yeah, Wayland and Jesse just kind of like <laughs> exhale. Huge sigh. Oh. But that's good news. Point of note, I'm making the out of character symbol, which is simply an okay symbol with all three of my fingers up on my forehead. Captain Reese doesn't attend these meetings. Okay, good to know. Yeah, still, he said first captains and we're like immediately like, Wah. Yeah, Captain Reese does not attend any of these meetings ever again since the betrayal. I mean, we don't know if like... This is a special occasion. <laughs> wow. Nope. We don't. Nope. Idetokumbo wipes the sweat off of his neck, puts the rag away. What's the occasion, I suppose? See for yourself. He moves out of the way of the door, and you peek around it, and you see the wall of charters. There's a lot of them missing. What happened? What the fuck? You know how before you left, there was talk about the Red Ghost? Yeah. I? Well, the Crimson Fleet has been hard at work. Are you saying all of those charters burned? Aye. Edekumbo, that's part of the reason why we're here. What do you know? We encountered the ghost. She almost sunk the rose. Edekumbo blinks. We got the best of her in the end, but it was bad. Last we saw the ghost, she had run aground on a sandbar and... Blown open like a tin can. Dedekubo looks at you like you told him the sky is purple. Are you sure? Yes. I don't think you're trying to pull the wool over my eyes, but are you absolutely positive? Dedekubo, I saw Stroud. Not two days ago, someone came back saying they'd seen the Red Ghost. Yeah, Wayland's head just snaps to Jesse and looks very confused. Idetokumbo moves out of the back room, opens the door, and ushers you both out. Moves through the crowd. Are we following him this whole time? Are you? Yeah. Okay. Goes over to the steps, leading up to the second and third floors. Climbs up the steps. Goes up to the third floor, where the door is closed, and it says pirate business only. Opens that door. Proceeds to walk up the steps. And gets stopped by someone guarding the door. Sorry, you can't be here. Of course I can be here. It's my fucking bar. Miss Bonaventura, you need to hear this. Uh, he ushers both of you upstairs. Like, come on, let's go. As he goes. Wayland 
very nervously follows right behind. <laughs> now, you've never been to the third floor, and the camera has never been to the third floor of the Bucket of Blood. Mm-hmm. There is one massive, round-ish table in the center with many, many chairs of different makes, different artisans, different times, haphazardly around. And there are many people sitting at it. There's a Vodachi-esque gentleman. Vodachi-esque in the sense that he wears the clothing of Vodachi, which is totally not Italy. He has a gigantic nose. That's Kananasso, which means big nose in Vodachi. And he is elderly and has these small spectacles on his nose and appears to be going over a thick ledger with a very elderly, small woman. She's got her hands on her cane and she's shaking and she has this smile on her face and her eyes are squinted and she's just looking around and she notices that Adetokumbo has interrupted and looks over and goes, what was that Adetokumbo? She needs to hear this and leans towards both of you. She's very hard to hear and you might have to repeat yourself a couple of times. Queen Bonaventura looks up at both of you. Her skin is that olive drab, but it's very light. She is weather-worn, as if she's been at sea for a while. She is young, probably early 30s. Silken black hair, done up in a messy bun, pirate clothes. There's a coat that is more lavish than anything else that she's wearing. And looks at Adetokumbo, motions her hand forward as if to gesture, go on. Captain Jesse Nakansa of the Rosa Blanca, my master at arms, Wayland Greywall. Pleasure. We've encountered the Red Ghost and lived. Seems to be a lot of that going around. What makes your story different? We beached it and blew it open. Kananasso puts his glasses up to his face, goes over a couple of pages in his big thick ledger, and says, That's not possible, young man. It was seen not two days ago, outside Aragosta. We are aware of that fact. We were on a journey from Aragosta to Makara for a job. On the way, they pulled themselves out of a blood portal. What did he say about immortal? Blood portal. Oh. Fuck. Although immortal is not the wrong word. Queen Bonaventura looks unfazed by what you're telling her. She drops her eyes, her attention from you, and appears to continue speaking to Kananasso quietly. We know of a couple of their crew. We encountered one of them on Makaro, and I believe another is in relation to one of my crew. At that, she perks up. Is this your roundabout way of saying you captured someone? No. She is of Montaigne blood and is a potty user herself. Her mother was spotted. Out of your view, Queen Bonaventura turns to someone who is sitting behind Ardig away, and she stands up and nods her head and comes over to Queen Bonaventura. They speak quietly to one another. She nods. Aye, Miss Michelle Marisot, the butcher of the Atabayan. You have her daughter? Is that what you're telling me? She is my purser and is a valued member of my crew. She looks around. Give her a moment. She's hard of walking. And 
and she finally makes her way upstairs. Allow me to introduce Miss Cosette Mirso. She brushes off the dust off of her dress and bows politely. And Grace Ardig says, Yes, that is a very pretty bow. Queen Bonaventura looks at Cosette and looks at the captain. Pleasure's all mine. May we speak with her? Go on. Alone. No. I don't have any time for this nonsense, boy. Alone or not at all. You have plenty of time. She slams her fist on the table, not in an aggressive gesture, but more of a... Like a judge banging a gavel. Yeah. It's nice to know that your time is everyone else's time here on my island. And while my people are busy dying out there to this menace, you're busy throwing your weight around like you own the place. This might come as a bit of a shock to you, Captain Nakansa, but this room ain't exactly on La Rosa Blanca. You're not on your ship anymore, son. And for all intents and purposes, this island is mine. I'm your captain now. So I'll ask you kindly, you let us speak with her alone. I. With all due respect. That phrase is usually followed by a disrespectful one, but I'll allow it, Master Grey Wall. Go on. Queen Bonaventura, may I ask, what would you need to say to Cosette in private that you could not say in front of us? We are members of her crew. That you are. And that's all she says, as if that answers your question. We both have eyewitness accounts of this ship and her crew. Don't need eyewitness accounts. I have plenty of those. Many ships have come back saying they've fought the Red Ghost. Any one of those diligent sailors down below will happily give me the time of day and anything that I require from them. Thank you. Can you get one of a fay? Now you have Queen Bonaventura's attention. Curious. Hmm. Wayland's cocking an eye at Jesse. I. There was an individual that we encountered aboard that ship. Canon also hands her a leaflet of paper. She looks down at it briefly and says, it Goes by the name Mad Maeve. Maeve. I've encountered her previously here in the Bucket of Blood. Oh, have you now? Aye. The last time the Red Ghosts were in town, the man with the metal beard pulled a storm using a Montanese sword. Montenois. Well, Jesse's a pirate. He doesn't give a shit. Montanese now. Montanese is fine. And someone produces the sword and puts it on the center table. Well, fancy that. Yes, we brought that to the Explorer Society. Is that so? We were the ones who defeated that individual. We discovered that the metal beads he wore in his beard were the skulls of Fay, specifically that of the Telwith Take. We were then contracted to take a member of that particular court to Makaro to further investigate what had been going on and how that power was acquired. That is when we encountered the Red Ghost. It is also, and he just kind of looks over at Jesse with the intent that he's going to tell them about Makaro. So he puts his hand down, shakes his head. Right. I also have had close relations with another of Scarlet Captain's Wayland's head just <laughs> and I can only imagine that she is not far behind us looks to Cosette Cosette is staring at Queen Bonaventura the look on Cosette's face is similar to the look on a child's face 
when they're looking at mom and mom is not happy with them. So please, whatever you have to say to my purser, be it here now. Bonaventura nods. You know, normally I admire captains of your quality. I take after my mother. I'm spending a danger point. She lowers her head back down and says, Shame that. Arrest them. And guards immediately begin to surround you and try to clap you in irons. Perhaps some time in the brig will change your mind. It sounds as if you underestimate our accounts. Oh, trust me, I believe you. There's just more that you're not saying. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I forget to tell you that we so valiantly wished to sink the Red Ghost along with every other ghost in their fleet? Now, I want you to tell me how you're involved in all of this. And she slams something on the table and someone picks it up and brings it over to you. And it is a letter from Queen Elaine about missing artifacts of Avalonian nature and how they're blaming Queen Bonaventura and her pirate ilk that they've been stolen. What is it that they are missing? Well, this sword for one. For two, there's a compass apparently that was stolen from their stores and an entire fey person is missing. One of the court ones. Which one? The Lady of Air and Darkness. And what makes you think we have any connection to these? Uh, no, 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 no. Think long and hard about that question you just asked me. She gestures to Wayland, who just so blatantly explained the whole plot. And while you're doing that, is there anything you'd like to add? Something I missed, perhaps? As a matter of fact, yes, your majesty. Go on. I'm going to call in a favor. I'm going to call Shade. Okay. <laughs> Zoe, remind me really quick. What would this take? What out of the favor that we have accrued would it take to call Shade here and speak on our behalf that what we have said is true? Shade is a face, so technically we could at least pull them here. So you each have five favor, right? Mm -hmm. It's going to take five just to summon them here. I will use my five, yeah. And you know that you have to make a circle, and you know that they, you have to say their name three times. Wayland, inherently, you know that. Mm -hmm. I'm not looking to, like, trap Shade here or anything. In order to summon them to a place, you have to grant them consecrated ground to do so. You have to open the way. Yes, I understand. With your permission... I would like to summon the king of the Telwith Tag to speak on our behalf. As one of the knights of Avalon, I request this. Ella. There's a vein that has been slowly emerging on Bonaventura's forehead. It is now very visible. A knight of Avalon. Aye. I wish to remedy this situation as much as I can. And faster than your eagle eyes can even register, her pistol is out from her belt and pointed directly at your face. Give me one good reason why I shouldn't just shoot you right between the eyes right now. Wayland, her stance is perfect. Her gaze is unwavering. You don't doubt for a second that she could put that bullet directly between your eyes. Oh no. I was going to have you arrested for insubordination, but now I might just shoot you myself for treason against Aragosta. You being an Avalonian spy. How fucking dare you blame us? Jetting. This one here is a protector, a guardian. Stroud and the Red Ghost are Avalonian. You of all people should know this. 
How dare you put that on him? The pistol gets turned at you, Jesse. And how dare you barge into my private meeting about affairs that you know nothing about and ought not to know nothing about, claiming that you have not only a member of the family that has slaughtered hundreds, if not thousands, of pirates by now. You confirm my suspicion about your involvement with this Avalonian artifact that apparently has gone missing, and then you have the audacity to tell me that you have a knight of fucking Avalon standing right here before me, saying he can summon a fay. Son, I couldn't give two shits about your account now. You could very well be here on Reese's orders, gathering information for her and her fleet to wipe us out, and you, and she points the pistol back at Wayland, you could go calivanting off to that queen of yours and tell her everything that you know about us. And all the while, there are madmen out there slaughtering my crew. You fucking look me in the eyes and you tell me how this looks to you. How dare you? The ATC already has us on the back foot. The Crimson Raiders are helping their cause. Whether you think so or not, you can't convince me otherwise. I'm trying to lead out of this chaos, trying to make sense of all this nonsense. And then you two show up. You are not the only ones trying to lead. I'll give you that. A captain has to lead his entire crew, but in case you fucking forgot... I'm the captain of captains here. I lead all of yous. So when two enemies of my nation walk into my room, what reaction were you hoping for? That I'd be amicable? Maybe pour you some rum? Talk about it over dinner? You go ahead and look me in the eyes and say the word parlay and see how fast you meet your maker. For note, Jesse has not stopped looking at her and he has not blinked. I understand the suspicion. I understand why you would suspect me. But my greatest wish is to heal this wound that has appeared between Aragosta and Avalon. I am a man of two worlds. I hail from Avalon. I am a knight, but I am also the master at arms of the White Rose. I also hold deep love in my heart for all of Aragosta, for your nation, your majesty. For our nation. For our nation. My captain speaks through. Queen Bonaventura. She looks at you, Jesse. Her pistol still raised. The responsibility does not fall entirely on you. Falls on us as well. She cracks a smile. Not a happy one. I'm afraid that's not how it works when you're the king of pirates. Unless you'd like to have a go. Wayland, eyes wide. Has any of my bitterness come out yet? See if a hero point when you bring up old credits or bad feelings when doing so will lead to trouble. Yes. Great. Captain. Aye. I can do what I can in the matters of handling the Avalonian situation. As far as any looks back to Gazette, Miss Marisot is concerned. Perhaps, perhaps we should ask her. She steps forward and says, Dame Bonaventura, I would like to speak with you. And I would do it in private. And she looks to both of you. You know I would not hide anything. There is nothing to hide. But we are under heavy suspicion. And if I must pick a bullet in this case, looks at Wayland and nods knowingly, then I will do so. 
Is that your wish? Oui, it is. So be it. And she turns and steps towards Queen Bonaventura. At that moment, there is a terrible sound. It sounds like tearing fabric and screaming, but very far away, muffled. Oh, fuck. Okay. And a woman comes out of nowhere, right up to Bonaventura. And she seems unfazed by it. And the woman is immediately putting something on her hand and says, Nous avons servi quelqu'un. And Bonaventura says, Be more precise, please. L'avocat du diable. Bonaventura's eyes widen slightly. And she looks at Cananasso and at Grace Ardig. She then lowers the pistol and immediately puts it back in her belt. Let's continue this conversation when we have cooler heads. There's something urgent I need to take care of. Captain Jesse Nakansa and Master Greywall, you will be under a sort of house arrest until I come to talk to you privately again. If your ship leaves port, I will know. Ardig says, Yes, yes, we all have to go. Cosette walks over to Bonaventura, and the woman who came out of the portal offers her hand to Bonaventura. What's her name, Sophie? Roderick. Fuck me. Bonaventura offers her hand to Cosette. Roderick? Waylon's eyes shoot open wide. Cosette takes Bonaventura's hand. No. Closes her eyes. Wait. You see Bonaventura close her eyes. Porte woman close her eyes. Wait. And then they all walk out of your sight. No. It can't be. No, 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 no. Adetokumbo looks at both of you and says, come on. Jesse turns and runs down the stairs. Jesse, where do you go? I follow. I run after him. And the camera lingers in that room, looking at Adetokumbo and the rest of the people. They stare after Captain Nakansa and Waylon Greywall. And we cut to black. Oof, that was a rough one. Something tells me my scribes uh, would have preferred a ghost or undead creature to the wrath of a pirate queen. Anyway, I'm sure it'll be fine, right? Always kind of is. You'll find out next time. We'll see you then, friend. Remember to hold your tongue when you're speaking with queens. And be safe. And well. <laughs>